0: Welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast. Today's reading was edited and adapted from Essays on Work and Culture by Hamilton Wright Maybe, published in 1898. The person whose life is intelligently ordered is always preparing themselves for the highest demands of their work. They're not only doing their work with adequate skill from day to day, but always fitting themselves in advance for more exacting and difficult tasks. If you are to become an artist in your work, your specific preparation for particular occasions and tasks must be part of a general preparation for all possible occasions and tasks. Because it is not only impossible to foresee opportunities, but often impossible to recognize their importance. The days which come so unobtrusively, and go so silently, are opportunities in disguise. And to learn how to discern those opportunities is one of the great ends of that education which always must precede real success. Nothing which endures is ever done without some kind of preliminary training. People do not happen by chance upon greatness. They achieve it. Noble work of any kind is the fruit of laborious apprenticeship. And from the higher forms of success, the idler and the amateur are forever shut out. Emerson said that the gods sell anything, and to everybody at a fair price. He might have added that they give nothing away. Whatever we secure in the way of power or fame, we pay for in preliminary preparation. Nothing is given us except our native capacity. Everything else we must pay for. To recognize opportunity when it comes, or to make the best use of it when it is not recognized at the moment, requires constant enrichment and education of our whole nature. One of the secrets of the higher kind of success is to make life interesting. This secret is revealed mainly to those who get the educational value of events, conditions, and relationships mass of facts exhausts and wearies the student, but when they fall into order, disclose connections, and reveal truth, they awaken enthusiasm. The body of fact, without the soul of truth, is a dead and repellent thing. But if the soul of truth shines through straight away, it becomes vital and stimulating. Now the most fruitful preparation for opportunities is that attitude toward life which habitually secures from it the truth behind the experience and the principles behind the fact. Some people are enriched by everything they touch because they seem instinctively to get at the spiritual meaning of events. Other people get nothing but material results from their dealings with the world. One farmer takes nothing from their acres but crops. Another harvests their crops in equal measure, but also gains knowledge of the chemistry of nature, appreciation of the landscape beyond their own land, and those qualities of character which have their root in honest work in the open fields. A striking difference is also discernible between two classes of business people. One class is shrewd, keen, and successful, but entirely uninteresting, because they fasten their attention exclusively upon the bare hard facts of the situation. The other class is not only equally successful, but they possess a rare intellect and understanding because they penetrate behind the facts and laws of the trade to study life in general human conditions. No human being is so boring as the financial trader who simply shuffles money, without any comprehension of higher values or wider connections. On the other hand, few people are more interesting than the entrepreneur whose vision penetrates to the principles behind business, and who acquires a kind of wisdom, which is all the more engaging because it constantly is verified by contact with the affairs of life. The financial trader never gets beyond the profit of their shrewd bargain. The entrepreneur who trains themselves to study general life conditions, is not only on the road to great wealth but of leadership and power behind every trade and occupation there are the most intimate human connections and it is only as we discern these fundamental relationships and connections that we get a true conception of daily life and human civilization A person who treats their trade as merely an opportunity for making money, without taking into account the service of that trade to others, is living a shallow, demeaning life. Such a person breaks society into selfish fragments, and turns commerce into vulgar bartering. The penalty of such a sordid and narrow view of life is never evaded. The trader makes gains often swells them by hoarding, but they rarely secure great wealth, for great fortunes are built by brains and the force of leadership. The person who is to win the noblest success in the world of affairs must continually educate themselves for a larger grasp of principles and a broader grasp of conditions. To put it another way, All those who seek to work at the highest level must become an artist in their profession. The artist not only handles their tools in a different way, but they use them for a different end and in a different spirit. The peculiar spiritual quality of the true artist is their supreme concern with the quality of their work and their subordinate interest in money or reputation. Of course, no wise person should be indifferent to recognition and material rewards. There is a vital relation between honest work and adequate wages of all kinds, whether you be a farmer, office worker, or engineer. But when the artist plans their work and puts their life into it day by day, the possible rewards which await them, are overshadowed by the supreme necessity of making the work sound, true, adequate, and noble. We are at our best only when we pour out our vital energy at full tide, without thought or care for anything save complete self-expression. Therefore, if we hope to reach the highest level of activity in our work, we will not aim to gain specific ends or to touch external goals of any kind. We will aim at complete self-development. Our ultimate aim will be not material, but spiritual. The rewards of work, money, influence, position, fame, will thus be the incidents, not the ends of our toil. Yes, you do have a right to look for them and count upon them, But if you are a true worker, they will never be your inspirations, nor can they ever be your highest rewards. The ultimate aim which we set before ourselves should always have a touch of idealism, because it must always remain a little beyond our reach. The person who attains their ultimate aim has come to the end of the race. There are no more goals to beckon them on. There is no more inspiration or delight in life, but no person should ever come to the end of the road. There should always be a further stretch of highway, an inviting turn under the shadow of the trees, a bold ascent, an untrodden summit shining beyond. If you set a specific position or an external reward of any kind before you as the limit of your journey, you are in danger of getting to the end before you have fully put forth your strength. The more noble and able we are, the less satisfaction can we find in any material return which our work brings us. No person with a touch of the artist in them can ever rest content with anything short of the complete putting forth of all that is in them and the consciousness of having done their work well. For our ultimate responsibility is met by what we are and do, not by what we gain. When we set an exterior reward of any kind before us as the final goal of our endeavor, we break away from the divine order of life and destroy that deep interior harmony which ought to keep our spirit in time and tune with the creative element in the world. We are not to seek specific rewards. They must come to us. They are the recognition and fruit of work, not its inspiration and sustaining power. Let us select the right seed and give it the right soil. The sun, rain, and warm earth must do the rest. In all work of the highest quality, God must be taken into account. No person works in isolation and solitude. We work within the circle of a divine order, and our chief concern is to work with that order. To aim exclusively at one's own advancement and ease is to put oneself outside of that order and to sever oneself from those sources of power which feed and sustain all whom they reach. In that order, we find our place by bringing to perfection all that is in us, making ourselves a new center of life and power among our communities. Whatever is true of the religious life is true also of the working life. The two are different aspects of the same vital experience. In the field of work, We who would keep our life must lose it, and in losing our life, we secure it for immortality. The noble worker pours themselves into their work with sublime indifference to its rewards. By the very completeness of their self-surrender and self-forgetfulness, they touch degrees of excellence which are denied those whose ventures are less daring and complete.